Are you tired of hearing mental health from a superficial view and want to hear about realistic views? Well, you come to the right place, a space where healing is central, but also normalized. Your hosts, Donika and Myra, who are in the mental health field, will explore topics to help promote healing in your everyday life. Through our podcast, you will get the real and the work to focus on your healing. Welcome to Black Women Healing Podcast. All right, y'all, this week we have a special guest that I've really been looking forward to, Jay Nicole. But before we hop in, Donika's going to hit us with a random scenario. So, Donika, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. It's, it's off the top of the head, I'll, always, Jay Nicole. So, if, if it's some stuff to fly out, just go with it, okay? Let's go with it. Um, all right. Okay. Okay. Don't think too hard. Right, right, okay. Cause um, it's funny because my neighbors they listen, they like bopping their music. So I hope that y'all can't hear it, but it makes me think about um, I can't. Like, if if you could only listen to one song, of uh, consistently for a whole year, one song, what would the one song be? <sighs> wow. <laughs> You would. That is. <laughs> it's rough. One year. See, that's crazy because your mood changes so much. But you, so it's like, what mood would I want to always be in? <laughs> this is a tough one. Uh. I'm kind of between two, so I'm a, I would try to think. I'm thinking Common the Light, Ooh. just because it always just, like, gives me that vibe where I can just kind of be in a good space. So I'm going to probably go with that. That's a good one, yeah. Myra, what about you? I'm stuck in between two also, because um, I love Stevie Wonder, but I love Erica Badu. So I'm leaning toward Ed by Stevie Wonder. Cause mm-hmm. I love that song, and then I kind of want to do Bag Lady, cause I feel like that song is always the price. <laughs> Go Bag Lady, Bag Lady is lit. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Keep Um. I guess I think I I think I would do John Legend, Ordinary People. It's mm, a good one. Like, so, cause I think you sparked it, Janica, when you kind of talked about like the moods, mm-hmm. like the, you know, over a whole entire fan of even at a day you go through but I feel like that would kind of get me back grounded all the time yeah. so that's true all right y'all so I'm gonna go ahead and introduce Jay Nicole and just to give a little backstory so Jay Nicole follows us on Instagram and oftentimes will share videos and DMs them to us and my aunt recently passed away and it was crazy because you shared a video the letter remember the letter that you wrote and yes so you shared it like the day after she passed away. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop and I'm going to listen to this. So I sent it from our business account to my personal account. And I listened to it and I was like, wow. And then I replied to you and I was like, I didn't know I needed this. And you were like, God is always on time or something like that. And then from then on, when I would take my showers every night, I would listen to little snippets of your podcast. But I feel like I'm in a phase of grieving where like I kind of run from it. So I listen to pieces and then you'll say something that'll hit me. And I'm like, I'm going to come back to that. So I'm really started at the beginning of your podcast and I'm working my way through it, but I'm just so thankful that like you sent that, like, it was like divine timing. Like, it's just crazy how that happened. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I'm going to go ahead and get into your bio. So Jay Nicole is a native of Lawnside. Is that how you say it? Lawnside, New Jersey? Yeah, Lawnside, New Jersey. Uh, Lawnside, New Jersey. And Jay Nicole is a passionate speaker, podcast host, and author. She has dedicated her life to helping others heal from grief after suffering complicated losses of her own. In 2019, she launched her first podcast, The Grief Bully. To date, Jay Nicole has published three books, The Grief Bully Journal in 2019, Yours Truly at J- I Am Jay Nicole in 2014, and The Adventures of Graham and Ladybug, a rhyming children's book in loving memory of her late grandmother in 2018. And we will share um, like all her social media stuff and her website. But if y'all are curious, her website is jnicolejones.com and then her instagram is i underscore am underscore jnicole but like i said we'll share that with y'all so to go ahead and jump in can you tell us a little bit about you and tell us about your journey to your work with grief bully absolutely thank you for the introduction and thank you for having me on the show and i'm happy to hear that that video was helpful it's just me just writing stuff. And I do believe that God is, is perfect in that way that he just sends you. And you, I don't even, you don't even know who you're helping that day. You're just reaching out and you feel like someone needs something. So I'm happy that I was able to help you. So yeah, I'm Dana Nicole. I'm from Longside, New Jersey. It's a small town. It's a predominantly African-American community and which I thought was pretty cool growing up. I'm like, wow, we're moving to the suburbs from the city. And I'm just like, so there's like all black people here. Like it was, it was a really cool thing. So I, it's important to me to always mention that. I am a speaker. I like to say just an impacting communicator. I don't want to say motivational speaker. My goal is, is not to motivate people, but to have life impact when I speak to you and when I speak just in general. So that's, that's probably what I would more so refer myself to. I am an author, like you mentioned, I, and it's funny because all three of those books were birthed through grief. Mm-hmm. So my first book in 2013, one of my close friends actually on the 25th will be seven years that she passed away. I decided to dedicate that book to her. It was just a whole bunch of quotes that I had from Instagram posts that I put up and just different things. But the book itself is a dedication page totally to her. So that was something that I did there. 2016 uh, my grandmother passed away and so I made a rhyme in children's book which is the adventures of grandma ladybug just talking about it's, it's, a, it's a cute kid story I wanted to keep her our love and going and she called me ladybug and she made pancakes and I loved them so I it was a it's, a it's a cute story about pancakes being stolen and basically she's a superhero that, that saved the day because that's how it was in life for real she was a superhero that always saved the day for me so I did that and then most recently, I published the Griefully Journal, which is over 50 writing prompts and quotes about grief. And it just a couple of simple questions that would really get you thinking. I think a lot of us get stuck in not really knowing what that's like to even begin to heal because you don't really know what, you know, to ask yourself. So I did that. And then I launched the Griefully podcast. Well, actually, the podcast was before the journal. I launched the podcast in August. Actually, on August 19th was my grandmother's birthday. And that was my first episode. So everything has just had to do with, you know, turning my pain into purpose. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Because like I said, like, I watched the video and I was like, whoa, I'm blown away. And I even, like my brother, he's had a lot of grief that he's been dealing with too. And we bond over sending each other stuff that you post. So Wow. Yeah, like we literally DM each other. All our DMs are us sending each other your stuff. <laughs> wow, that is, I got chills just now. I've never, I've never heard that before. And yeah. I think, I think, again, like I said to you, when I first commented back in the DM, and I mean that, I'll just say that to seem like I'm this 
humble person, but when I feel like God is getting the glory and God's light, you know, is shining through me for people to be able to have that conversation and dialogue, that's exactly why I'm, why I'm doing this is because especially people of color, I don't feel that we talk about this much, yep. you know, after the funeral, I mean, repast, eat some food, a couple airbrush shirts, light a few candles and, you know, you keep it pushing. We don't really talk too much more about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a tough thing because a lot of us are struggling in silence. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Woo. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm getting chills already too. Okay. So, um, as if you all have not noticed today, we're going to be focusing on um, black women in grief. Um, and so, one of the questions we want to ask Jay Nicole is, who are we most likely to learn grieving styles from? Mm. Yeah, I love that question. So, I would say we are most likely to learn our grieving styles from life and why I say that is because it's my belief that we do grief how we do life so we do life how we do loss so whomever we were around growing up and how we've learned to handle life in general is essentially who I believe we will learn or what I believe we will learn to do our grief from how we'll do that so what I mean by that to elaborate is if you're a runner in life you're probably going to be a runner in loss If you're someone that, you know, deals with things head on, then you're probably going to deal with it head on. And that's just something that I I believe. I think we have a love language and we also have a self-care language. So how we how we love ourselves and and how we go through that is the same thing with with grief. So I couldn't really pinpoint to a specific person as more so our life experiences. I don't I don't think you change automatically because the circumstances change. That's why I think we get disappointed by people so often because we think because our circumstances change that they're supposed to show up differently. But that person is the same person that they were in every other situation in your life. So hopefully that is a, an answer that can be digested, if you will. But I, I couldn't, because I, I was thinking about it and I'm like, you know, I don't know who I could specifically look at and say, this is how I will emulate my grieving. Mm-hmm. But there are experiences just from being raised from childhood and how I deal with my own personal issues so I think it's all all the same yeah that's so deep because I think my when I I wrote this question I remember being like hmm probably gonna talk about you know parents and oh it's first thing you've seen but your response just really like opened my eyes that life like what you like you as a person and like how you deal with things. Yeah, you do have your parents and like the the origin of like your childhood, but at the same time, as you go through life, how you deal with things in general is gonna be how like your grieving style. Oh, that's deep. Yeah. <laughs> um I think about that a lot differently too. Cause I know like for me, like when I'm dealing with things, I just put on a face like I'm strong. And I feel like now I've kind of come like how I told you I recently lost my aunt, and now that's somebody that like I really, really love and so close to me. Now I feel like how do I do this where I need support? Like, what do I do? I can't continue to put on this face that I'm strong anymore. Like, I have to work through this. And that's why, again, like, I'm thankful for your podcast because it's like, okay, somebody else is going through this and they're talking about it. What? (laughs) That is, first of all, I'm sorry for your loss. And I I definitely want to extend that. I don't, I don't take that lightly. And I think when I say that to people, I'm sorry for your loss. I want you to know that I'm not saying it from a cliche standpoint, just to feel like it's the proper sentiment to extend. Yeah. I want you to hear that, that I, I, like, I want you to know I feel you. 
I legit feel you because when I hear that someone lost someone that they love closely, I'm going to be honest. I'm like, man, life's about to get a little bit difficult for them, you know, and that's just a real thing. And I feel so bad when I hear that. I'm like, damn, like everything they had planned or going on or how they saw life and, and how they feel in general, just being uncomfortable in their own existence yeah. is something that I wish I could uh, eliminate for people. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, do you believe that Black women in particular have a specific way of grieving? I think Black women in particular have a specific way of living. <laughs> and you know what, Myra, you, you brought that point. You helped me bring this point because I think the Black woman in general we have, and we're working very hard to break out from it, I believe, more recently, the, the, strong, the air quote, strong Black woman mentality and I think that there have been times where we didn't have a choice right that was that's just our natural our first self and so I don't think again that changes in grief I think the main reason why I say that is because I think we have a hard time putting ourselves first so if you are a mother if you are juggling multiple jobs or you have a career you're in a relationship those things naturally just come before your own well-being you kind of feel like it's your responsibility. So I don't have time to be crying and breaking down. If I don't show up all together, how is my family going to move? How are they going to operate? How am I going to pay this or do that? So I just don't know that. It's funny because I feel like we've been given more permission to be emotionally expressive than Black men. Mm. But I also don't feel like we've been given that much direction on mm. how to allow ourselves as Black women to heal and heal in a healthy way if that makes sense mm -hmm. so if I was going back to your original question about how we learn about our grieving styles I would definitely say when it comes to the black woman we do look at our mothers or the lack of a mother or our grandmothers or our aunties or whomever to how we how we do life and how we do that and I don't know that they gave themselves that permission to put themselves first right if you really think about it no matter what the situation is unless there was obviously some sort of addiction or something like that going on that didn't allow them. Otherwise, your mom is making it happen. You're making a dollar out of 15 cents, just pushing. She don't have time to show us and hang her head and, and do all that. There's so much that I've been thinking about recently. I'm like, I don't even remember seeing my mom go through all these things that she told me that she went through. I'm like, really? That was going on and you were still smiling? How? Yeah. So that would probably be the answer to that is that I think we have a difficult time because we have a difficult time putting ourselves first and grief. If you're going to, and also want to explain this too, grief is the inward process of the loss where mourning is the outward expression of such. Mm -hmm. So I won't say that we don't grieve. I would say that we have a hard time mourning, letting ourselves feel and be like, and feel like that's okay. Giving ourselves permission to do so. Mm. Wow. Wow. I'm like blown away by what you just said because mourning would be like crying, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So I found myself crying like every night and one of the nights my boyfriend was like, are you drooling? And I'm like, no, I'm actually crying. And he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, I'm crying every night. Like, I don't know like what's going on. Like I've been struggling to process like, what is this? Like, why am I always like crying? And it's not because I'm sad. It's just because like, I think about like the memories and like what could have been and all these other things, I feel like I'm like trying to learn about the mourning process. I feel like I'm stuck and I don't fully understand that. And so I'm happy that you're kind of bringing up the difference between grief and mourning because I feel like now 
I'm going to take some time to reflect after this and be like, okay, let me really think about this. Like just processing it for myself. Yeah, they're definitely, they're definitely two different things. And I think that's the harder part we had because grief, I mean, think about it. When you lose someone, that's always in your mind. You, you can't really shake that if you try, but mm-hmm. you can control whether you cry or not and whether you write about it or talk to people about it. That's something that you more so can control, but allowing yourself to, to cry and even though you don't feel like it's triggered by a particular thing that's bad in terms of being sad, but good memories make us cry too. But a lot of people just don't allow themselves to, to cry. There's power in your tears. Yeah. And so I have this question for you, um, just because as you could tell, I'm a big fan, obviously. Oh, I appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you, Queen. You're far too kind. Yeah. What are some ways you first began your healing journey with grief? So, you know, it's uh, typically, I would say that you have to accept a loss, but I've been learning recently that I don't know that I don't know that I'll ever a hundred percent accept it, Mm. but in order to start the healing process, I think you might have to be into some extent of acceptance. I don't know if that's fully, but for myself, when I, when my grandmother, so when my friend passed away, I was definitely very difficult. She was only 25 and it was unexpected. So that was difficult. And, but when I lost my grandmother, I remember being at the hospital and my legs just like collapsed from underneath of me. Like she was my world, my safe haven, everything to me. And in that moment, you're so powerless that I don't even know that it's important to figure out how am I, how am I going to heal from this as much as it is? How, how am I even going to continue to exist? Because life as I knew it was away. So I think that once we can just accept not so much the death, as we can accept the fact that life itself won't be the same, I think you can begin to heal because you're not trying to get back. Like you, I was trying so hard to get back to how life was prior to the death. And that is where you get stuck because you're saying, I'm so hurt. I'm so broken. I'm all of these things. And I want to get back to that feeling. But once I got to a place where I'm like, I'm not going to get back to that. There's, it's got to be new normals. New things have to be created. And I'm still working on that. I'm still struggling in that area. But I think that's a great starting point for anybody. It's just like our life. When we want to create a business or get a job or career, clarity is power. When you have a vision and you know what the situation is, I think you, it keeps you on that path better. So although you're healing and grief is not five stages and it's not linear, but once you know that, hey, I'm not working towards getting back to how things were, I'm working towards something different, I think is a, a great place to start. Mm, I have to share that with my mom because mm. my grandma passed away 12 years ago and she's been trying to get back to this normal life. And I feel like she's kind of stuck in this part. And I think that if I share this with her, that'd be really powerful and helpful for her. Thank you. I hope I hope so. It's just my, it's just my experience. And also, I I cannot attribute everything to myself for sure. I, I have a grief therapist and I've been intentional with my healing in that regard. So I definitely attribute a lot of it to, to that, but someone can take you to the water, but if you don't drink it, that's up to you. So I will give myself credit also in God, but yeah. I definitely have learned a lot through grief therapy. Yeah. Outside of therapy, what are some things you have found helpful when it comes to working through grief? 
I would say journaling. <laughs> I'm not just saying it as like a shameless plug for my journal. I, I definitely think journaling because it's a non-judgment zone and it's more, I think it requires more of us than just speaking out loud or just thinking in our head is something where you can just completely like no judgment and you can reference back. So that's why I found I find power and benefit because you might not feel like you're making progress on your healing journey. But if you look back and you're like, wow, like a month ago when I answered this question or when I wrote this, I'm not feeling so much like that. That's not keeping me stuck. I'm not bound by that. But when you just talk to someone, you might not remember those conversations as much as being able to have a concrete reference to gauge your own process because slow progress is still progress. But let's be honest, when no one wants to be in this long, brokenhearted phase, like you want to start to feel better. So you might overlook the small wins. I do. I'm like, man, I'm just still stuck in this area. I'm still, but then I look back, I'm like, but not really because I cried, but then I was able to bounce back faster than I typically am or, I wasn't angry this time. I was able to smile, but it's easy to forget that through conversation. So I would definitely say journaling, exercise, I believe is very helpful. So it's a matter of having healthy coping mechanisms. I mean, drinking and smoking and doing drugs and all that is a, is a common go-to for people, but I don't believe that that's healthy. I think it will hinder everything. A spiritual power, a spiritual higher power, I'm sorry, or spiritual leadership, if you have that. For me personally, that keeps me solid, prayer, journaling, working out, exercising, and then finding, yeah, so those are, those are concrete things. So the other thing I was going to say was just finding a why, finding a purpose greater than yourself to keep you going. So maybe another like hobby or something, but definitely those are probably the, the main things that have worked for me. Support groups, support groups are definitely dope and being mindful of what you put in your mind. So social media. It can be a great thing. People give it a bad rap, but if you are filling your timeline with positive, positive things that you can deposit into yourself, I think that's definitely helpful as well. Yes. Um, what about grief? What about grief has been hardest for you, uh, such as flooding memories, holidays that bring up reminders, and how have you worked through them? The hardest part for me with grief has been knowing that it's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. so knowing that <laughs> when I get through this meaning when I start to feel better from this particular loss it's going to happen again so <laughs> having that fear if you will has been very difficult and it has caused me to have death anxiety so I have anxiety about my own mortality as well as other people in my life so when COVID happened you got to believe that my mind just started tripping for real. Mm -hmm. So I even stopped flying on planes, which I'm praying that I'll do that once we're able to fly again, because I felt less in control of my own mortality. So for me in the grieving process and and dealing with loss has been knowing that it's going to happen again. And I have to keep going through this cycle until my own death. Right. So it's like, I, I lost my father last year. I still had my mom, but in my mind, I'm like, damn, like one day, I'm gonna have to sit here and go through all of this for my own mom. Like, I don't want to go through that. I call my mom and I'll hang up and be like, damn, I'm so blessed. I got to talk to my mom. I might not talk to her again. Like that was a real thing that just started like tripping me out. And so I believe that that has been the hardest part 
all of the other things that we all typically experience, you know, crying, being sad, missing them, holidays, all of those things, of course, are, are very difficult, but I can navigate a little bit better with that stuff. But for me, just the acceptance of my own death and the death of people that I love is going to happen again has just been crazy. Yeah. If you don't mind me asking, what kind of what kind of things have you been trying to do to kind of deal with that, like death anxiety? That was my question, too. Yeah, my grief therapist, I just have to keep talking to her and we we talk it out. We talk about the root of it. We talk about the, I don't say actuality, but the reality of it and just working to accept that. So sometimes I say to myself, yes, you will go through this again, but you are surviving these losses. So you can, you've proven to yourself that you can still live. And then the other side will come back in and say, yeah, but that was, that was really hard. But it's still looking at, looking at the proof of it has really helped with my, along, like I said, along with my therapist. But that's been the main thing for me. It's like, hey, listen, you've been through it. I mean, we're talking like my immediate family. My grandmother and my dad are on the same side. So mm-hmm. it was like two of my key people in three years. So it's not like, okay, I lost someone that I, I barely know or anything like that. And so I didn't show myself that I have the strength to get through it. But that's been the main thing is just trying to find ways to accept. And I don't, I don't think I'm through it yet. I think that I still, like, it's just, it's something that I have to continue to battle with. But I did make up my mind and made a decision that it will not overtake me. It won't steal my joy and allow me to not fly places and go and enjoy my life. Like, that's not something that I'm going to be okay with. And mm-hmm. so I have to work through it. But it's, it's definitely a struggle. So I can't really give a particular answer as to, how I've been able to overcome it because I think I'm still battling with that. And I know that just from my personality, it's something that could be a lot of work that, that it will take to, to, to get there. But I've been trying to stay in the moment and just continue to go to therapy and continue to talk about it. Thank you so much for um, normalizing, like utilizing your therapist and also your own skills. I know you mentioned like, um, like spiritual beliefs, like thank you for normalizing all of those things because I feel like that all of those things are usually not normalized. Mm-hmm. I do want to ask you about like how did you seek out a grief therapist because as you know me and Myra were both therapists but I know that at least as of now that's something that we're not necessarily specializing in. So like how did you find a, a therapist that specializes in grief? Yes. So I found a therapist that specializes in grief by researching because I had, I probably had, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm, there's no shame here. I probably had over 13 maybe therapists throughout my life just because, and I think that's something very, very important when we are talking to people and encouraging them to seek therapy and, and counseling is that a therapist is not one size fits all. If you dated somebody and you didn't like them, does that mean that you're never going to like date again? It just means that you'll look out for different things, different flags and know what you need. And so I've been on, I say like serial, like dating therapists, like serial therapist relationships, because I would get with somebody and I'm like, yeah, no, your style is not really, and this is not really feeling me. So I had a couple of different therapists and I did look on like say psychology today and I would see the bullet points and I saw grief but then I had two therapists before my current one and I'm like yeah I think this is just a little bullet they don't really specialize in this and I think because I felt like I was going crazy 
when I lost my grandmother, like I'm telling you, it's an understatement how I'm explaining this. I just felt so uncomfortable in my existence. It was like just being in the world naked with no blanket. And so I was bugging. So I was like, okay, I need someone that this is what they do. Like this is their main thing, not all the different stuff. So I found my therapist. She had over 20 years experience and she became a grief therapist while specializing in grief because of her own loss that she went through with her son. And so we had a conversation and it worked out. And she's been my therapist, I think for like two and a half, maybe three years now. And that's my home. And she's actually been on my podcast. Um, One of the episodes recently, she was on there and I thought that was very helpful. But yeah, I had to keep keep working through it. Everybody's not going to be the same. But also when it comes to therapy, people can only help you as much as you're willing to be honest. So you have to, you can't be honest with somebody that you don't feel comfortable with. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. (laughs) Shout out to you guys. Therapy is dope, right? Shout out to our therapist. Thank you. Yeah. Um, If you could give a takeaway for our listeners, what would you say? Or what takeaway would you give them? Two things. I would say, for one, be kind to yourself and be patient. Emotional deficiency is real. So keep yourself in context. Don't just say, why am I like this? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do it? Because you just lost someone that you love. You just watched your whoever in a casket. Or like, that's not like you just had a bad day. <laughs> like That is some serious situations to go through. So you have to keep yourself in context and realize that emotional deficiency is real. And know that it is possible for, for your days to be better, but that's up to you. The healing part of it is up to you. The second thing I would say, too, is for those people who are dealing with loss, dealing with someone who's dealing with loss is what I meant to say, and you might not know how to, to handle that or show up in that person's life, it's important to ask them what support looks like and let them tell you and really listen because the way that I give support might not be the way that Myra will be able to receive that. You know, that might not be the way that you respond. And so we're so used to giving in a certain way. And then we're like, man, it's nothing I could do to help them. So mm-hmm. last thing I would say is that it's not your responsibility to solve their grief. Yeah. You can't solve it. What you also say for those who are grieving to kind of express how they need the support. Cause I know like for me, that's where I struggle. I'm just like, I expect for people to read that my mind. And now I'm in this phase where it's like, okay, maybe I need to share what I need. Oh yes. Oh, absolutely. It's on you too, queen. I mean, I say it all the time. I, I want people to know how to support grievers, but we have a responsibility as well to articulate where we are. And even if we don't know, you also can say that, hey, I have to be honest with you. I don't know. I don't feel good. I do not feel like myself. So what I would have said yes to that invitation, I'm going to currently have to say no. Where I would normally watch that show or can listen to that music, I cannot do that right now. You may not know it, but my life has changed. Mm. I put a, a quote up that says, I missed the part of me that died when you did. Mm. right because that's real so whether people can't people can't see that we don't have a scarlet letter on our head that says I'm grieving and I and I, I don't know what's going on with me so yeah I definitely believe that it is our responsibility to communicate that whether that's in writing or verbally but people can't read your mind their life didn't change you know and also this is the other thing too even if we both experience the same loss we still are going to handle that differently myself and my brothers handled the loss of my dad in two di- three different ways but that does not mean that we're all not hurting. It does not mean that it did not like affect our lives, but just the way that we handle that is going to be different. Yeah, most definitely. 
thank you so much for coming on today. We needed this episode, especially with what's going on right now. We really need this episode. You know, thank you both for having me. I, I truly appreciate it. And anytime you want to talk or have me out on the show at any time, definitely don't hesitate to let me know. That's what I'm here to do, to just share love and light and let us know that we are not crazy. We're grieving. Yeah, definitely. Donika, do you want to add anything before we end? No, I know for myself, like, I haven't, because I'm a person, if I cry, I'm going to let it out. But I know I'm going to cry later <laughs> because I can, I can feel it. It's not coming out, but I know I'm gonna cry, and it's a little bit of both. It's a it's a feeling of, um, of like of joy of like you you talked about the whole acceptance of like your life will be different after someone has passed this close to you, and um, I think that it's a piece of joy of like I have accepted that in in folks who have passed away in my life, but then it's also like this you know the the still the morning of it like you still miss these people and that's okay too so. I'm gonna cry later. It's gonna come. <laughs> Y'all, <laughs> I hope that we didn't make you cry, but that's a beautiful thing. And I, well, actually, I am happy that we're that we're making you cry. <laughs> that's a beautiful thing for sure. And and yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, and we'll be having you back. Of course, we have to. <laughs> mm-hmm. I look forward to it. All right, y'all. So, Donika, what you sharing with us? Or do you have anything to share with us? You got you in deep thought. I'm speechless. Yeah, like I am. Like. Um, Jenica's dope. Um, yeah, she's like dope. I know. I've been feeling like I want to cry this whole time, but it's just not coming out. Like this I said, I want to cry too, but I was like, this is not the time to cry. This is absolutely the time to cry. Like, I like had a whole like thought that me and you was about to be just boohooing, and Jenica was gonna be like, all right, you know, y'all can cry. Like she was, she was gonna be supporting. Us. <laughs> I know. She posted a quote, and you know. I want us to maybe, instead of us sharing something, just honor the quote and tie it to our life. So the quote is, I choose to live my life making you proud. It's the most genuine conversation you and I could have. And in her sharing about her grandma, um, it made me reflect on this one time. Because my grandma passed, me and my grandma were tight. Like, that was my girl. And so when she passed, I was in the eighth grade. And I just never felt like closure. And so one day I was driving by the Inglewood Cemetery. That's where she's buried. And so I said, let me go here. Let me tell y'all. I went to her grave and I said, Grandma, let me tell you. Because my grandma will always speak blessings over my life. My grandma would always say, because my dad wasn't really in my life. I mean, he was there, but he wasn't really there. And my grandma would always say, he's going to beg to be in her life. And granted, she's right. My dad does beg to be in my life. And so I was just talking to her grave. Like, you won't believe, like, I did X, Y, and Z things. Like, Remember when you used to say this, this, and that about me? Like, I've surpassed that. And so now I feel good about that. But now I'm thinking about my aunt. And my aunt, she was really big on, you know, if you want to do something in life, you bust your ass. So my aunt was like a CEO of a bank um, and very well off. And she always told me, if you want something, you bust your ass. And so lately I've just been thinking about, like, what does that mean for me? And when she would say it, she didn't mean, like, work at a job you don't like to make money. She meant, like, reach high heights that you want to reach and so I've been thinking about like what does that mean for me and I do want to get my doctorate and so that made me start applying so that's my take on the quote for my life what about you um shout out to you because I don't think I knew this so we'll have to talk about that later (laughs) but yes that's beautiful I'm happy for you this is dope um 
Can you repeat the quote again? Yeah, one second. The quote is, I choose to live my life making you proud. It's the most genuine conversation you and I could have. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My my cousin, he is, I have like a, like a tag in my car. And every time I'm in my car, when like I am like accomplishing something, I'll hold the tag and be like, oh, like we did it. Like, you know, like look. <laughs> Look what's happening, like, because I, I truly believe, yeah, that I, I, I mean, in, in my sense of my spiritual beliefs, I most definitely feel like that of him and also, like, my great-grandmother and anybody I've lost are, like, working through me yeah. and, like, blessing me. So, yeah, that quote is bomb. Now that you said, like, you have a tangible thing, so this necklace... I'm sure people have been wondering why do I wear this all the time. Mom left me this necklace. She left me a lot of nice little things, but this necklace in general um, reminds me of her. So I wear it every day. And now that you're talking about like I grab onto um, what did you say it was like a tag? Now I'm gonna grab. Yes, yeah, in my car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I do. I grab onto. Does it say? Does the tag say something? It has his picture and just like you know rest in peace and you know. But, like, it's it's been with me through all my cars. I got into a car accident, and my car was, like, you know, pretty bad. But that that, that tag is always with me. Like, uh-uh, you, I'm going to get my tag out because, <laughs> yeah. Dope. Well, thank y'all for listening to this week's episode of Black Women's Healing Pod. I feel like this is probably the most vulnerable we've ever been. And so I hope to have Jay Nicole back um, in the future, and I'm sure that she'll be willing to join us. So that's it for this week, y'all.